Hello and welcome to part one of the 2022 best games we played in 2022 that didn't necessarily come out in 2022 extravaganza, our annual quasi game of the year podcasts that we do. Um, I'm joined by most of the team. Uh, Andy Piddy is here. Hello, Andy. Hello. Uh, Nick, uh, not Nick Cave, Case is here. Hi. And Mark Chazzy Ray. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're not joined by um, Adam, as is a normal Yuletide um, tradition. He compounded the fact that there's a massive time um, difference between here and Canada, uh, which makes recording together difficult at the best of times. And he made it even worse by having the audacity to have a baby this year, which is just frankly okay. irresponsible if you ask me i know unbelievable <laughs> lack of dedication um so if you've never listened to one of these before or even if you have um we this is not our usual game of the year show um because we are lapsed gamers and we don't always play all the games that came out this year uh, and our lists will include games that came out this year i'm sure but um except for andy um probably uh but will be the get the best games that we played this year rather than necessarily came out this year because you know sometimes we come to games like a few years late sometimes if you're andy you come to games a few decades late um yeah i'm a 40 year we can. gamer um yeah um andy is 40 years behind the curve when it comes to gaming um so yeah shall we um get cracking now um most of us have managed to play 10 games this year. Uh, poor Nick, who's a busy man, um, has only managed to play five games this year. Uh, now, we only ever really count down our top five, but sh for those of us who've got 10, should we quickly run down 10 through six yeah. of uh, our top 10 games of the year? Um, so, Adam, it will be, uh, hasn't yet, but will be providing. So, uh, we will be listening to Adam from the future. He's going to record little segments and send those in. Um, I think he's only going to do his top five. So, I'll just read out his, his 10 through six. Um, number 10, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, uh, one that's on my list that I need to play at some point. Uh, number nine, Criminally Low, if you ask me, mm. Elden Ring. <laughs> uh, number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number seven, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Very good game. Really enjoyed that. And number six is Norco, which is another one that's on my list to play at some point because it's on Game Pass. Uh, Andy, do you want to run through your 10 through six? Yeah, number 10, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, number nine, Brave Land Warrior. Number eight, Star Trek Shattered Universe. Number seven, The Hobbit, PS2 version. And number six, Braveland Ice Mage. Mm. Um, my number 10 is Far Changing Tides. Uh, number 9, Neon White. Uh, number 8, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Uh, number 7, F1 Manager 2022. Uh, and number 6, just missing out of the top 5, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. 2. Two. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, Nick's only got five, so we'll skip straight on. Yeah. Sars. 
to uh oh no yeah hang on i'm not going alphabetically anyway uh <laughs> mr mr chazzy that's it you're 10 through 6 10 through 6 so number 10 dragon quest builders 2 um number 9 vampire survivors number 8 death loop number 7 cuphead and number 6 f1 manager 2022 just missing out there yes mate Mm, so that's rounding out the, the, the bottom half of our top tens. Now we'll get into the meat of it. Um, so we'll go straight to a recording from the future, and here is Adam to talk about a game that I'm very much looking forward to talking to, uh, talking about even. Uh, here's Adam with his number five, which is Marvel Snap. <coughs> Hello, boys. I am out walking right now on my lunch break. Because this is the only time I can get any exercise in. Turns out having a baby is a lot of work. I'm kidding. I knew what it was going to be like when we got into this crazy game. Uh, I haven't had time to record my top five. So I have employed Richard, an AI butler, to deliver my games of the year for 2022. It has been a good year all in. Hopefully back on the show sooner rather than later. Merry Christmas, everyone, and a happy new year. Hello, I am Richard. Before we start, please note these are Adam's top five and not in any way associated with my vastly superior AI-driven mind. Clearly the best game of 2022 was the game of life itself. Number five, Marvel Snap. I don't usually enjoy CCGs as I found the deck building is often overcomplicated and either a time sink or morally corrupt money grab. However Marvel Snap does things a little bit different, the deck building is purely cosmetic but still appealing and leveling up helps ensure that everything is accessible and easy. In terms of gameplay the interwoven nature of locations that affect card properties and the diverse set of on reveal, ongoing and movement cards sounds complicated but is really simple. Finally this is the first game I've ever bought a season pass. Incredible. Well wasn't that a lovely little message from Adam? That was it amazing. was, yeah. It was, yeah. I agree with everything he will say. Mm. Um, <laughs> Andy, yes. Um, number five on your top t- top five games that you played in 2022. Not a Warhammer game. Nope, not this year. I don't oh, think. Nope. Okay. This is Braveland Pirates. It's part of the Braveland trilogy, the second one in the series. Um, essentially, Braveland Warriors number nine. Then I moved on to Braveland Pirates. And the improvements that were made in between games made this one a lot higher. And actually, no, this is, this is the last one. Um, so, you could see the progression through the series between Warrior, Ice Mage and Finally Pirates. There's more exploration in it. Uh, more routes to follow. Um, a bit more of a story to follow. You can... Um, still a, a little bit of grinding, but essentially you just go down into one area to grind. Um, and everything was just a vast improvement. It's um, a turn-based game on a single screen rather than over a large map area where you're moving. It's just hexes on the, on the screen and you're just moving. One, your enemies on one side and the right-hand side. You're on the left-hand side and move towards each other. Um some nice little tactics. 
takes about four to five hours to complete. But this was just the culmination of that progression throughout the series from Warrior, Ice Mage to Pirates. Really enjoyed it. Um, nice little breather, actually. Four or five hours play. Yeah, number five. Hmm. This one's on um, Android and iOS as well. Just having a little look at it. Uh, yeah, I think it started like on... Sort of... There. Yeah, it looks like a mobile game. Yeah. Um, looks like the sort of like tile-based tactics thing that I could probably get my teeth into. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's not on Apple Arcade, otherwise I'd just download it and uh, try it. I mean, I got it for about three quid. I'm three quid for the whole... Because you buy it as a trilogy on the consoles, I think, and PC. You can't buy it separately. Mm-hmm. So, but... Yeah, about 12 hours gameplay. You can't go wrong, really. Can't argue with that. Nice and nope. short. Are the game sessions themselves nice and short? Yeah, the battles don't last more than 10 minutes, if that. You know. Oh, perfect. And then exactly if you're going to get beat, you can just go do a little bit of grind. See, with the grinding with this, is essentially one or two caves or areas where you just go and grind. And you just have to keep fighting the same creatures as such. So you don't have to go around exploring and random battles as such. So you can see what's coming up on the map. The map's really good, really clear. And you're just basically going, following the map. And we've got little areas where you can unlock new troops, um, get new weapons and stuff, um, and just gain more money to buy stuff. It, yeah, it's good. I really enjoy it. I'd recommend it if you're into that type of game. Mm. Interesting. Well, um, moving on then. Uh, my number five, uh, the fifth best game that I played this year. Uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, the sequel to Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which came out, God, like 2017, 2018, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 18, uh, it's been a while. Um, so when the first one came out, um, for a while it was like when they first showed it, it was like a bit of a joke. It's like, oh god, they gave Mario guns, and it's like Mario XCOM, but with those those kind of um, those r- annoying rabbits characters that nobody likes. Um, and then it came out, and it was really really good. It was uh, it wasn't quite baby's first XCOM like people thought it would be. It was a like a genuine turn-based tactical shooter uh with quite a lot of depth mm. um not not so many systems as there are in something like uh, XCOM or Phoenix Point or something like that um but it was thoroughly enjoyable it made me like the rabbits or at least the rabbit versions of Mario characters specifically you know rabbit peach mm-hmm. um and really, really enjoyed it. There's some absolutely standout moments. There's a, there's a hilarious boss fight against rabid Donkey Kong, uh, which is like a full opera with <laughs> rabid Donkey Kong singing an opera about uh, the Mario universe. Uh, and it's during during the boss fight, and it was it was it was great. Really, really a, a wonderful little surprise. Um, years go by, and they finally dropped a sequel this year. And they didn't rest on the laurels and make more of the same. Um, they changed up the gameplay quite a lot. So the overworld stuff, instead of you just moving through quite a linear area and then like walking up to a, you know, 
uh, an obvious battlefield with like lots of areas of like um cover yeah. like you're walking Maybe. up to that and starting a fight it's now like a mario odyssey sort of open world like you travel to different planets on a ship um arrive in these sort of like smallish open world areas and you're running around um doing puzzles and side quests and stuff like that and um they could be a little bit more adventurous with the layout because they didn't have to cram in battle arenas because how now how it works is like you you run up to an enemy and it's sort of like sort of like a random battle in an rpg would like teleport you to a you know a, um a zone where the battle is going to take which means that the overworld can be more interesting and the arenas where the fights take place can be more interesting um they changed up the way that the fights happen as well it's still turn based uh, and you have like a limited number of actions per turn and if you attack then that ends, ends your turn even if you've got leftover actions or whatever uh but instead of it being like you know move a cursor to a point and click it and then your enemy your character runs over there you have like a zone of movement and you can run around in there as much as you want until you perform an action or uh well no you can keep running around until you uh, attack uh, and then your turn is over and your character will remain where where they made their attack from until their next go. And so you can spend a lot of time like finding the ideal point at which to to do your attack, um, to get the best line of sight. For instance, like Mario has two pistols, so can attack two enemies at once. So finding the right point to be able to get a good line of sight on two enemies or whatever, um, making sure that Luigi has like the best um height advantage or you know overwatch position to be able to shoot because luigi is the sniper character um you can like move one character to the edge of their zone and then then switch to another character and run up to them and use them as like a jump platform to extend their area of movement to be able to move closer to enemies if you've got a character who does like short range attacks or an aoe attack or whatever um a, a lot more um room to play around with how the combat works um slight change in the art style which has proved a little bit controversial um it runs better than it did uh, other than the last kingdom uh the last marion rabbits did but it the art style some people don't like the way it looks in comparison i think it looks fine it's just a little bit uh, it's hard to explain you just need to look at screenshots um to see uh, how they change the environment how the environments look but um yeah, uh, I, I thought that game, that series had, had done surprising me after the first one, but this one uh, surprised me uh, just as much as the first one did with its inventiveness. Um, really, really enjoyable uh, little tactics game um, that, that sort of does something new with the genre rather than like aping the big boy games like XCOM and stuff like that. Uh, because we've all moved on now. Uh, even Firaxis have moved on from XCOM and no one wants to do the same odd shit anymore. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, thoroughly recommended for fans of, of you know, tactics gameplay. Nice. It's nice to hear that like, they've, they've pushed it forward. Because there was so yes. much promise in the first one. It's nice to hear that they've yeah. just sort of taken the same formula and given it a bit more polish. They've actually, you know, gone right into the mechanics and made it more, like you say, made it more inventive. inventive. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, one of the other things they did was like adding like the, the sparks, which are like these little things that <laughs> follow, like you were, you attached to your character. They're like a, 
or like the um what are those little spark things that um Rosalind Rosalina or whatever her name is. Yeah. Rosalina's, yeah. yeah it's like uh like a hybrid of those and a rabid. <laughs> um they're the sparks, and each one has like a particular ability, so it'll add like um flame attack or lightning attack or whatever, or will add the ability to like deflect attacks from you or will do like a poison AoE attack or whatever. Nice. Um and you can equip any of those to any of your your characters, and then later on in the game you get the ability to uh, to equip two of them. They only do their thing when you activate them, and then they have a cooldown. So it's like, as well as like the usual like where to position yourself to do maximum damage to the maximum of characters and whatnot. You're also deciding when to play your your sparks, knowing that once you've played it, you're going to have to wait a few turns before you can play that one again. Uh, and certain combinations can be incredibly powerful and knowing which ones to use in which battle um can be uh, is uh, adds an extra little wrinkle uh every enemy in the game almost every enemy in the game ha- is strong against certain elements or certain types of attack and weak against others and so at the beginning of every match you can like scan the battlefield and see what the enemies what sort of enemies are there and then like kit your uh, pick your team and kit them out accordingly for that particular fight rather than something like an XCOM where you like kit out your team and then you put them in the battlefield and then that's it you can't change anything after that um so it's a little bit more accessible um but there's no lack of depth at all there's, there's plenty of depth in there it's very very good nice yeah definitely one mm. on my list for next year i think if there's any discounts yes. about yeah, definitely. I think you will enjoy it. Um, speaking of things you might enjoy or did enjoy, <laughs> uh, what was your number five, Jazzy? My number five was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Um, mm. <laughs> this would have been a lot lower if it wasn't for the fact that I have an absolutely insane child who is obsessed with Ninja Turtles. And we've used this as a massive bonding game. But over and above that as well, um, it is a bit of a nostalgia play. It is, you know, if you love the Turtles arcade game, um, this is, you know, pulling on a lot of those heartstrings for that game. But also, there's enough in there that they've changed up and, you know, taken taken sort of um, inspiration from stuff like Scott Pilgrim and, and River City Girls and all that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, really made a quite a modern, modern throwback if that makes sense. Um, beat them up for like for this year basically, and um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love I love the fact that there's all these uh, references to really obscure characters that again, like my son's been going, oh that's such and such from this episode, and they do this, and not that with the lady who's a, who's an arcade machine. Or comes out of the arcade machines and stuff, and then there's like you know um, the way that they've like catered the boss fights around, um, like you say, like certain characters, big enemies from from the cartoons and stuff, and you know uh, really really sort of weaved it into the story and stuff, and um, yeah, it's just been it's just been a really cool like nostalgia romp, but also technically it's a really really good beat 'em up to be up there with something like Streets of Rage Four, you know, it has got combos, it has got I think it's up to six player multiplayer as well. So yeah, it's just it's just fabulous, and the soundtrack's absolutely banging as well. 
uh, and it's got everything you want in there. You know, you, you've got a fight with Shredder, you've got a fight with Krang, you've got Bebop and Rocksteady. You, um, yeah, it's just like I, I'm, I'm a massive sucker for the Scott Pilgrim game, and this is just that, but done even better and made way, way more accessible. So, yeah, if you're looking for like just a, a, a side scrolling beat em up, this is the one to get because it's just, just fabulously put together and, um, I will be talking about it later on as well, so I won't, I won't go on too much more because because uh, I'll give I'll give that away for later categories. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just like I say, mm. playing this with my son as well. Like you know, we had so much fun on the streams and stuff, it was hilarious. So um, yeah, that is my number five. I was going to say um, that game takes my top pick for <laughs> best game I've watched be streamed all year. Oh, maybe that was a category. <laughs> <laughs> he that was bananas. such a great stream honestly he's yeah. been like honestly you wouldn't believe i've spent about 300 pound on ninja turtle stuff from like ebay and stuff back in the day like really obscure stuff that is like i want this for christmas it's like mate it hasn't been released for like 20 years so yeah so yeah it's gonna be fun but yeah all good fun but yeah it's been it was just brilliant playing along with him and then, like, sort of checking in with him as well and seeing, like, oh, I've, I've, I've done this character. Where's this character from? Oh, right, Dad, that's from this episode. And they did this and blah, blah, blah. And then the pizza monster comes along. And then, yeah, it's just been brilliant. Pizza monster. Yeah. So how, does it, how, um, how does it stand up against what I would consider to be the um, gold standards mm. games in this franchise, namely... Scott Pilgrim versus the World and River City Girls. Um, I'd say it was slightly less hard. They've taken the difficulty out of it uh, because right. you can, as you play, as you unlock characters, they can actually change the difficulty difficulty curve a little bit. So you have got players right. that are slightly more powerful or less powerful, or quicker or speedier. So you can find a character that sort of fits where you're where you're lacking. Um, but also mm. just in general terms, it is a little bit more, um, the, the, the characters wait around to be hit a little bit more um, as you play through the game. I mean, it is hard if you turn the difficulty up, but um, I think in Scott Pilgrim, it's it overwhelms you a lot and it's all about um, the levelling up. Whereas in this, it is just a matter of plough through and um, do as much damage as possible. And as long as you're in the right places at the right time, doing the right thing, then you'll, you'll, breeze through it but um mm. yeah we've got program it's more like if you haven't upgraded this then you won't be able to get you know do this as well and you might be banging your head against the brick wall a bit more i found scott mm. pilgrim a lot harder and like you say like river city girls i think is a little bit more convoluted in in that you you go in and out of shops and stuff and i don't think you do as much of that in in this this is more like going back to the original turtles arcade machine as opposed to you know, where it is now yeah but, um yeah it's um like I say, it's a, it's just a, for someone of my age, it's a it's a massive throwback and like yeah, it's mm. just just a massive nostalgia play. But um, fortunately, I love it. So there you go. That's my number five. I've unfortunately never had much nostalgia for yeah. turtles. Otherwise, I probably would have jumped on this um, already. But uh, I, I don't know. I just I just missed that particular. Yeah, our styles. I was more a. Um, I was more a biker mice from Mars guy. guy. <laughs> Sewer sharks. Hell yeah. No, no, no. Missed, missed out them as well. Just biker mice from Mars. That was my jam. Nice. 
uh, and they have now forgotten. Nobody cares about them anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Nick, we come to your first entry in this year's top games that you played. Um, what's your number five? My number five is Modern Warfare 2-2. Um, Shock horror, a Call of Duty game, a late entry. Yeah, yeah. very um, surprising. Um, not least because it's a Call of Duty game in 2022, and it's actually really good. Um, yeah, number five. It's just it's it's great. I mean, I've already talked about it a couple of podcasts, uh, and I know you've talked about it in a few podcasts ago. Um, they've, I don't know what they've done, but they've they've got the magic back. It's. Maybe not as good as the the heights of Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare, and Modern Warfare Two, uh, the original, mm-hmm. but it's the best. It's the best first person shooter I've played since Battlefield One. Blimey! Yeah, fair. Um, where other big X FPS franchises have kind of failed recently. Battlefield 2042 was... We won't even talk about it. Halo Infinite, pretty much the same. Um, Call of Duty have come out swinging, and it's it's a modern classic, I will say. (laughs) Um, And I'll be playing this for months to come, uh, probably, with, with, you know, all the bonus seasonal content and stuff that's going on i've even double dipped because now i've got an xbox one s so i've got it on the pc and the <laughs> xbox um yeah absolutely brilliant yeah it's my um it's my number six i uh, didn't just just missed out narrowly missed out on my top five mm. uh it's uh, to no one's surprise when uh, when infinity wars turn comes around to put out a call of duty it's, it's really good um <laughs> No, no offense to Sledgehammer and Triarch. whoever the other one is, Treyarch. Um, I'm sure they're lovely people, but their CODs that they put out just pale in comparison to everything. That mm. um, uh, their name has completely gone out my head already. Infinity I just War. said it a minute ago. Infinity War. Thank you very much. God damn it! I'm <laughs> getting early onset di- dementia or something. Which is obviously weird because, um, like, the original Infinity Ward uh, were all pretty much they they left in their respawn. They now. are respawn, aren't they? Yeah. Um. So I think obviously, I, I guess that's probably why we've not had a amazing COD for so long is because they were sort of rebuilding and restructuring to figure well, out. Well, the last one, the first Modern Warfare uh, Modern Warfare 1, 2 um, <laughs> from a few years ago was yeah. really, really, the one that introduced Warzone. Yeah. Um, it was really, really good. Hmm. Uh, and then the next two were Wank. Uh, and yeah, this is them again. Um, it's yeah, it's fantastic. It's um I, I don't engage with all of it. I can't be bothered with Warzone. I'm not fucking about with um like the third person um playlists. It's not what I want to play COD for. No. Um but for just, you know, normal team deathmatch, capture the flag, domination, hard point, six v six modes, it is it feels absolutely incredible to play. Um so tight uh this is the first card i've played on pc and the keyboard and mouse and i can hold my own i usually finish in sort of the middle of the pack which is way better than i expected 
Um, and the campaign's really good as well. Have you have you messed with the campaign at all? No. <laughs> it's it's really good. It's um, some of your old favourites are back. Um, Soap and uh, what's his face with the with the mustache? Price. Ah, Price. Price. That's the one. Um, but it's this is obviously like an alternate universe where the stuff that was in the first two Modern Warfare's didn't happen, or some of the characters from those are in it. Uh, they always well. have and those this... characters. I don't. They're all they're like reoccurring namesakes and yeah, reoccurring characters. villains and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a genuinely good campaign. It does some interesting things. There's like it plays the hits. Like there's the there's your Gillies in the Mist sort of sniper level. Um, that's very good. Uh, there's an AC one thirty level because of course there is. Um, but then there's like uh, one where you're like stealthily going around like a a dockyard in Amsterdam, like swimming underwater and then coming up behind guys and taking them out stealthily and and whatnot. And there's another one where you're uh, for a level or it goes basically like kind of like survival horror in a way where you're completely unarmed in a town in Mexico where you're being hunted and you're having to like collect materials and fashion tools and, and like crude weapons to be able to get yourself. through the level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it does some interesting, like as well as playing the hits, it does some interesting new things that I haven't seen in a Call of Duty campaign before. Um, yeah. Really, really good game. Um, you are, man. We'll have to all party up and, it, and have some fun because yeah, it is multiplayer. It's so good. Well, it doesn't matter what platform you get it on because it's all crossplay, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, these days. Yeah. First person shooters are only on PC for me from now on. Like, yeah, I can't do it with the controller anymore. Yeah, I can't do a controller. Nah. But, um, yeah, they're really good. Got anything else you want to say about it, Nick? Um, I had something, but it's just gone. Completely forgotten. Fair enough. Oh yeah, um, the the uh, you mentioned the Amsterdam level. Also, um, a great news story about the the hotel, which was very prominently featured in the game, was apparently not very happy about being featured in the game. Did you read about? Oh this? really? Oh yeah. So the the hotel that um one of the um multiplayer maps is in, like bombed out and stuff, um, has has complained about it quite publicly um about wow. their include their include in, hmm? them being included. inclusion inclusion thank you yeah their inclusion against their um, will yeah wow. which mm. i guess you know it's just a not it's just they picked a random hotel in amsterdam didn't they but they did yeah yeah not i don't remember happy. people kicking off too much about the level in the last modern warfare which was like uh, it was set in Piccadilly Circus after a That's terrorist it. attack. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember there being any uh, out, out raw, uh, uproar about that or controversy, but maybe there was, I don't know. I guess yeah. Piccadilly Circus, though, is just like a street in... It's a general space, isn't it? General space in London, yeah. whereas... Yeah, but I don't know if any of the invading, shops there were... They're kind of invading one very specific, very prominent hotel in Amsterdam. Yeah, but what I mean is I don't know if any of the shops that were modelled there were modelled after shops that actually exist yeah. in Piccadilly Circus. Uh, I see what you mean, yeah. No, Lily White so. whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what's in Piccadilly Circus. Um, <laughs> is that the one with the big yeah. TV screens? Yes. Okay. 
It's like London's Times Square. I've not been to London for more than 10 years, so... Okay. Oh, wait, no, I tell a lie. I went for Wembley, but literally just went into Wembley, out. Yeah, and then left. Yeah. <laughs> in and out as soon as you can. <laughs> Basically. Fair enough. Well, that's once around the table, then. Shall we move on to our number fours? No. Yeah. Do it. Uh, okay, I'm going to do it. Sorry, Nick. Fine. Um, <clears throat> here, once again, is Adam from the future to tell us about his number four, Nobody Saves the World. Number four, Nobody Saves the World. A very simple Zelda slash rogue-like mashup from Drinkbox Studios. You play as nobody a guy who can morph into all sorts from a knight, a snail even a dragon as you explore an open world and tackle self-contained rogue-like dungeons that draw on each class's skills. Never well, heard of that. Thank you very much for, 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 for that future Adam. That sounds, or I'm sure it will sound, like a thoroughly interesting game. I don't think I know this one. Oh, it looks pretty cool yeah. actually. Sounds pretty cool from what Adam's just probably said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well. Okay, it's an action role-playing dungeon-crawling video game developed by Drink. Oh, by Drinkbox. Okay. Yeah, Drinkbox did Guacamole. Yeah. Uh, and that weird game on Vita that I can't remember the name of. Wow. Early the interesting. Day of the Dead one. Uh, that was Guacamelee. There was another one that was like oh. a sort of first-person thing. Oh, I don't get it. it doesn't matter. Um, so moving on to Andy. Uh, Andy, what was the number four game, that you, the, the number four best game that you played in 2022? Um, well, it was the second one in the Spyro series uh, that came part of... Absolutely cutting edge. Well, 2018, <laughs> this one. All those polygons. Oh, the re- oh, the remake. The remake, Sorry, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, not the PS... Well, the remake of a PS1 game. Um, so, yeah, it was a remastered trilogy, which is a great, really, um, series of remasters um, that came out with PS4, the Xbox One, um, and Spyro 2. Me and my daughter um, played Spyro last year. Spyro was in my top ten last year. And we moved on to Spyro 2 this year. We had lots of fun. Um, partly because my daughter's getting more experience with games. She took more control of this one. And partly also because they made it a lot easier. I feel for um, young people, because essentially they are young person games. They're a little bit of open world, a little bit of levels. But um, they, they are really for young people so playing along lovely game nice little story you know nothing harms burning sheep burning bad guys going through some of the bits are quite tough um, particularly one of the levels where you're having to run and jump hit from left to right and getting a little bit of the camera being atrocious in the original so yeah sort of solved it a little bit but not um I wouldn't say it's the best one. You're still having to fiddle about with it um, quite a bit. Uh, so I remember um, reading a developer di- um, diary from when they redid the Crash games. Yeah. And one of the main points they talked about was how much uh, they decided to fix the camera and how much they decided to leave it alone. Yeah. Like, that was quite a balance <laughs> for them because it's still part of those kind of games is having a bit of a fiddly camera. A yeah. 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 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, so it's good to it's good to hear that they've improved it a bit at least. They, I they suppose improved it a bit, <laughs> yeah. but you feel like if you're going to do a full remake, you might as well the remaster. You might as well just do it completely, get up to 2018 at the time, 2017 standards of um, mm. modern gamers. So, but yeah, they did improve it. You know, everything's nicely done. So. Playing along, you know, she's doing quite a bit. I'm doing a f- little bit where she's finding it a bit tricky. Nice little game, you know, play a few hours in, put a few fair few hours in. And then, all of a sudden, you get to the end of the game, or what you think of the end of the game, and then you have to chase after the final boss, and it's gatekeeped. And you go, fuck. And it's gatekeeped because... You haven't collected enough, I think it was, what was it, orbs to unlock the final boss battle. So, throughout the level, throughout the game and various points of levels, you're collecting little orbs or you, and you're collecting little items as well. The items, you know, help you unlock other parts of the game, which is fair enough. The orbs are like little side, little mini games. So, guide. 10 sheep back into its pen or um, hit 10 balloons or 10 creatures, you know, while you're flying. And some of them are quite difficult. And then to gatekeep and cordon off the end boss, I think you needed 50 of these orbs, I think it was. And we had about, just picked up, you know, as you long casual gameplay, about 38. Well, of course, my daughter wants to complete the whole game. I have spent another few hours going back through the whole game, going back to various levels, just trying to get these orbs. And some of them took a long, long time. And that just, like, put a sour note on the game. And I just thought... I think I did mention it in an earlier podcast this year. It's a young person's game. You know, my five-year-old is used to it. You know... Yeah, fair enough, you can enjoy it as an adult, but why are you putting f- these young people through this type of crap? And I know it's part of 20, 1996, 97 when the second game came out, mm-hmm. and it was all part of that gaming. But you've remastered it, you've got the code. All right, you can have an option where do you want to keep stuff like this in, or do you just want to have fun and play through? Have fun and play through every single time. Not mm. just gatekeeping this and cording off end of level, end of game bosses and stuff. It was just like, I did another like four to five hours of gameplay where I had to spend a few nights doing it because when I was doing it with Francis, she just got bored of just seeing me fail all the time. So I was just like, I just got to do it myself. So it's a. I've got to say, Andy, really sounds like you loved this game. I do love it up to that last, <laughs> last, last bit. It's the bit at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, just I, just thing need is, to get good, Andy. Yeah. Oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that. <laughs> and but there's there's no mentioning of you actually needing these orbs to unlock mm. the end game boss. You know, you're just playing along and you think it's just a nice little thing that you might just get for trophies or 
yeah, what it, I didn't think it was part of the whole plot of a whole main store thread of a game. I just thought it'd be a little side mission or something that you just pick along and just trophies and you know collect a hundred orbs or whatever it may be. You get ten, you get, you get a gold trophy or whatever. I never realised it was part of a main. If I realised it was part of a main game, I would have probably done a bit more picking up as we go along, rather yeah. than spending hours. But the game doesn't really tell you or let you know that you need these orbs to really defeat the end of game boss. I might just put a sour note on it. I do, mm. I do like it. I just think the, that last level just spoiled for me when I'm having to go back. Especially when you just don't have much gaming time, you're like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Do you think you would have put this higher if it had, um, if you'd have been able to breeze through that last level without the orb situation? Um, yeah, it probably would have been higher. I think Spiral last year got to two or something. Um, and it's a better game than the first one. It's just yeah. when we've it's just let down by these little weird, yeah, yeah. Well, original yeah. game design. Same. Where they haven't just yeah. where they haven't changed it for or provided an option where mm. you well to you don't need the orbs you can just go through all right thank you yeah. well, that's a shame but it's a young person's game really you know it's so colourful so bright the graphics are amazing the, you know it's a lot of fun she's loving it you know she wants to play more she wants she wants to play more Spyro a lot more personality because it's yeah. just like triangles. Yeah, and they've improved a lot of stuff compared to the first one, because you can tell mm-hmm. the difference, so you can be original developers. But you just thought, oh, come on, somebody just a bit of sense would have gone, <laughs> yeah, maybe we just don't need that, you know, in this yeah. type of game, or we can just provide an option where, yeah, you just don't need the obs. But, yeah, yeah it's the issue... Fun. It's the issue they had with hiring uh, Yvette Fielding as one of the uh, main game designers. Oh, right, okay. Is it? <laughs> okay. I don't get it. That one went down bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't she was. She was. She was one of the presenters on Most Haunted. Uh, oh, God. You never watched right, Most Haunted? Okay. Nope. And she Is that got, the like, Derek Cora thing. Derek Cora thing. Yeah. Derek Cora's Mary loves Dick thing. Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. He, he, he channels a man called Dick. Yep. Uh, that's hilarious. I'm getting a message. It says Mary loves Dick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are, Derek. I she does. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> filth. <laughs> You'll have to find it. Get it on YouTube and play the, play the clip in. Mary loves Dick. Mary loves Dick. Mary loves Dick. Yeah. yeah, he was a fucking fraud. <laughs> I'm getting a word. Okay. Nonce. <laughs> oh, I love it. Nice. Nice. Um, bombshell. On that note, moving swiftly on. Um, my number four best game that I played in 2022 is Splatoon 3. Um, nice. I won't go on about this too much. It's more Splatoon. Um, Splatoon, when it came out, was a revelation on the Wii U. Uh, third person, 4v4, multiplayer shooter, PvP shooter. But it was, wasn't was so much about 
shooting the the other person is covering as much of the map as you possibly could with your team's colored ink in order to win the match um genuinely incredible game splatoon 2 came out fairly early on on the switch and i absolutely loved it it was criticized in some quarters of being splatoon 1.5 essentially because it didn't change up too much really uh, but it kind of didn't need to uh, but added a whole new um pve horde mode called salmon run that was really good um splatoon 3 has added in terms of like gameplay modes and stuff like that even less than splatoon 2 did um but it's just so good it's like it's like how do you how do you how do you improve upon perfection it's the best (laughs) multiplayer shooter series it's my favorite multiplayer shooter series i love it um and they just polished it up added in some new weapons some new um abilities a bunch of new maps uh, an incredible new campaign um the, the fact there's like three hosts on the tv show now instead of two means that when you have the um splatfests you now have three competing teams instead of just two which means that Partway through Splatfest weekend, it becomes a three-way... The matches turn into three-way battles with, like, the winning team defending against two other teams at the same time. Um, Just little changes that they've made to freshen it up and to make it feel... um, I don't want to say relevant, because, like, it's it's always going to be relevant because no one one else has made a shooter anything Mm. quite like it or any other game quite like it, really. Um, I, I love... Splatoon. Um I know certain other members of the team like have uh mixed feelings about it maybe or, or just don't care about it as much. Um I, mean, I, I adore it. Pay that kind of money for very, very small incremental upgrade. Like I'd be banging to I can, in Splatoon, but I just feel Yeah. yeah. I, I can I can see that. I can totally understand that. Mm. For me it's not a problem because it's just it's more new splatoon yeah it's where the community's moving to yeah that's it um i guess it's kind it's, of a bit like um buying destiny 2 every year yeah buying the yeah expansion. or or buying the new fifa yeah yeah you know but, exactly you're getting the same better. game but you know that everyone's <laughs> going to be there yep exactly and they've changed enough about it to keep it fresh hmm. um yeah, I, I love Splatoon, uh, and I've played a horrendous amount of Splatoon 3 already, and I will continue to play it for a good few years to come until Splatoon 4 inevitably comes along because it sells a bunch mm. every time. Um, it's a massive uh, game in the Nintendo community, especially in France. The French mm. love Splatoon. Have they um, sorted out the message situation? Oh, no. Okay. No. Cool. And long may that continue. Because <laughs> this game came out uh, uh, like a couple of days, I think, before the Queen died. Well, it was around yeah, about the time that the Queen died. Queen, the game yeah. came out, oh. and so all of those like Meverse um, style like messages and everything were all taking the piss out of the fact that the Queen had died, and it was very funny. And Nintendo if they were trying to take them down, could not take them down quick enough. Mm. Um, and it's not just like you see those little messages pop up above the characters in the hub world, like other players advertising the hub world. It's like they appear around the hub 
and in the maps is like graffiti. And so I was like playing matches in these maps where there'd be like lol queens dead um, graffiti floating about. And um, it was very, very funny. Uh, it's just another thing. I mean, if, if you like that aspect of, you know, uh, now since defunct Nintendo quasi social platform, it still kind of exists in Splatoon yeah. in, in some fashion. I thought you were going to um, launch into an anti-monarchy thing when you said semi-quasi-defunct. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my, you know, my feelings on the stupid monarchy are well known. Um, yes, yeah, between three is fantastic. I love it. That's my number four. I won't bang on about it too anymore. Uh, Chazzy, your number four. My number four, Xenoblade Chronicles three, just to make it a bit weird. Nice, a three at four. Um, just the, the, everything about this game um, blew me away. Um, wasn't expecting it to be such a massive blockbuster RPG. Um, I'd played a little bit of Chronicles X on the Wii U just to kind of get a feel for what Xenoblade was all about. Thought, do you know what? I get the idea of this. I want more. I want more of this. So let's uh, let's pick it up on the Switch. And my God, I'm glad I did. What a story so far! Yep. Like it's just. I've spoke about it before on the podcast but it's it's not that it's all over the place it's just that it's dealing with so many different themes and using them quite intelligently and weaving it into characters that you absolutely 100% care about instantly um, they're not quite up to kind of like a dragon levels of um, engagement but they're they're getting up there and um, like I say just every part of the story I'm, I'm hanging on every beat of these guys character you know the, their character arcs and their you know the the way that they, they go through the story and stuff and um yeah i just I'm, I'm playing it less for the the mechanics and more for the story and just kind of yeah i just i just can't put it down every night i'm just playing half an hour here half an hour there and um yeah sort of it's up there with um uh like the uh, the fire emblem games for yeah. just narrative terms and kind of great story, you know the mechanics are really well put together. You've got to think and strategize, and um, yeah, and uh, sort of if you don't, you're gonna get taken down rather quickly. And um, yeah, just I just absolutely adore it, and I'm really glad to see that like it's getting so many plaudits from like Game of the Year and stuff. And yeah, it's just just incredible, just an incredible, incredible RPG, and um. Yeah, well worth anyone's time if they ever pick it up. Do you have to play yeah. Wooden Two to get into this, or is it just a sing? No, it's it is its own self-contained thing. It's still in that world, and it's still in the kind of um, it, it's more of an ethos uh. than it is a uh, you know like all oh, right, okay, you're following the same characters from one all the way through. But um, yeah, it's um, its own self-contained thing with a, a bunch of kids, and then like like I said before, like you're you've got two factions that are fighting over this energy source and like the way that <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much but it kind of it, it smashes those guys together and mm. it creates like a bit of a Romeo and Juliet style story um, yeah. that then spins off into something completely different to that so it starts on that that kind of premise and then spins off somewhere else and do you trust these people that you've been fighting with but you can't not trust them because you're now bound together by X, Y, and Z. And um, 
yeah, there's a lot of struggle between the group. It's not just, hi, we're all a party now, let's go forward. It, it, there is a lot of internal dynamics and stuff that you have to, that are in play. And yeah, you just, it's just a real, it's just such a great soap opera that, that has an RPG mechanics attached to it. It's, it's incredible. Really mm. is. Yeah, the Zenobra yeah, games, um, uh, the Zenobra games, Andy, are like Final Fantasy or yeah. Breath of Fire or something like that, where like each game is its own individual story. Uh, oh, yeah. Look interesting. Sequels. Right. Yeah, nice big open world yeah. and um, lots of um, mm. lots of monsters to take out, but you don't necessarily have to. It, it's less of a um, you know walk five steps. All oh, right, random battle. Right. It's more like you have to go and engage with the monsters and you know to take them out and wipe them out of certain areas or you can just glide past them completely but if you do you're obviously not getting XP and you're not building your characters up and yeah. the characters can learn different classes and learn different actions so you need to be kind of balancing going out and grinding with actually you know forwarding the story and stuff so um, yeah it's just so much it's just so deep like every mechanic in it's so deep the story's deep like it's just everything you want, but it's hundreds and hundreds of hours, and I'm never gonna be able to, you know, devote that much time to it. But the time I have devoted to it, I've absolutely adored. So, um, yeah, like I was absolutely just keep chipping away at it, man. This is it, and I, like I will keep chipping away at it. But like as as a game that I picked up and didn't have, you know, I was I was I was hoping it would be good, and it's massively exceeded my expectations. So, um, yeah, that's why it's up there at, at number four for me. Mm. My other half put something like 200 hours into it. <laughs> wow. But she that's, squeezed that's everything she could out of yeah. it. You know. Good. Right. Um, last, the one of our number fours. Mr. Nick, what is your number four game you played in 2022? My number four game that I played in 2022 actually came out in 2022 as well, so it's pretty good. I think it'll be on other people's lists somewhere. It is the wonderful mm. Ollie Ollie World. Um Ollie Ollie, of course, uh a classic franchise from the Vita. Um I say classic franchise from the Vita. <laughs> classic. It is a classic. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, it's definitely um, top five games on that platform. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um when I was a kid I used to love the Tony Hawk games and this is sort of a 2D. Well, to be fair, I really enjoyed the um the the Tony Hawk game on the Game Boy Color randomly, mm. which was a, a 2D uh Tony Hawk affair. Um, and Ollie Ollie World basically takes that and has uh with Ollie Ollie World especially they've breathed a fresh life into it, put an amazing story behind it. Um, incredible character avatar customization. Yeah. Um, which is um, I think we we had a discussion a few months ago about whether Avatar editors still exist. Uh, when I got more fun than turning that game on and then seeing your little avatar come up in the like the menu loading menu screen and seeing what genuinely come up with. I genuinely spent about an hour just customizing my little character when I first started because it was so good. <laughs> um, it's even it's better than the official Xbox avatar creator that I spent like. 15 minutes making an avatar of when I got an Xbox uh, just to see if it still existed. It does, but All the Other World did it better. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know really what more to say about this. It's All the Other World. 
it's new. It, it's in 2022. It feels new and exciting still. Um, and yeah, it's just great. Really fun mm. game. You can just hop in it and just play a few a few levels. Um, you know, you you could literally be in it for five minutes and and go away. I think if if I had a Steam Deck, this would be a great game to have on the Steam Deck. Oh, probably yes. a great Switch game yeah. as well. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, brilliant game. Absolutely love it. I'm sure we'll see it again on someone else's lists uh, somewhere. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ollie Ollie World number four. Super. Lovely. Uh, all right, so we've been round the wheel twice. Let's finish up this part one of uh, our 2022 games of the year. Here's another message from Adam the fucker ducker from the future. <laughs> His number three game that he played in 2022, a game that I really want to play, Citizen Sleeper. Number three, Citizen Sleeper. A role-playing game with no combat where artificial AI is banned and you take on the role of an AI clone of an unknown person forced into servitude on a derelict space station. Gameplay involves pushing the story forward by making choices that affect both you and the other inhabitants. Making choices and completing actions is governed by visible dice rolls which create a sense of tension. The story is brilliant and deserves multiple playthroughs. Wait Richard here, am I an AI or a real person? I did not expect to be questioning my own existence today. Oh, that's that game. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Ah, what a lovely message from Adam from the future. That that yeah. will sound like such a fantastic game when I hear what he has to say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's been on my list for a while. I need to get it played before it. I, I do this a lot. I'll sit on a game and be like, I'll play this at some point, and then it ends up coming off Game Pass before I've even had a chance to oh, play it. So I'll get on it soon. Yeah, the, the, Sable that's, disappeared. That's good, yeah. yeah. Good game to play like, over the Christmas period. I got yeah, like two hours but, into Sable yeah. and it just disappeared. I was like, oh, fine. Yeah. I'm worried the same's going to happen with Tunic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I can okay. say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need to buy it, isn't it? That's what we want you to do. Buy the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a cheap bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, moving on. Andy. Hello. Your number three game that you played in 2022. Number three is Batman. Enemy Within. The second season of the Telltale Game um, series that came out a few years ago. Um, follows on from the first season, uh, continues. Uh, whereas the first one focused on Lady Arkham um, and Thomas Wayne, uh, with a little bit of his past of Bruce. Um, this one is focusing more on the Joker and his links to Bruce Wayne and mixes in elements from characters from um, Suicide Squad, bad guys like Bane, the Riddler, um, Harley Quinn, um, Penguin, um, all these mixing mix in. It produces a nice little story. Um, it's probably what we call an Elseworlds um, type of thing for what the DC do. Um, and really just focus on you being as Bruce Wayne going undercover, infiltrating Harley Quinn's gang, and how she's portrayed as a really strong character throughout that. And um, but tables are turned when um, with Joker later on um, shows that you were friends with Joker early on, provides a little bit of backstory, 
and how your well the decisions you make probably ultimately whatever you decide to do is going to cl- c- create joker but <sighs> over five episodes it produces strong strong story relationships with catwoman betrayals and stuff and lots of little things going on that I just provide a lot of interest and if you're a Batman aficionado or a fan, you'll enjoy it. Um ends on a bit of a tease and you think, well, you feel that they did rush that the good sense that the studio was gonna collapse and this had it would have been good instead of just ending the Joker storyline off like this, it would have been nice just to continue it. But um yeah, it's good. It's if you're a big fan of Batman, it's recommended it's an easy gameplay. To, it's all it is. You don't, you're never going to get it wrong. If you get it wrong, you just put your back a couple of minutes and you start again. So, mm. in terms of that, in terms of the little detective stuff, it's just matching point A to point C and so on, discovering, walking around and just clicking on everything. But yeah, a lot of fun. Relaxing, another relaxing game. You know, easy, easy one. Two hours an episode, so 10 hours, probably about total. Just, yeah, it's good. That's my number three. Excellent. Um, I played five minutes, I think, of the first Telltale Batman game. And there was like a scene where some people were playing pool. And they hit the balls and the balls moved around the table, but they weren't rolling. (laughs) They were just like sliding. And I was like, and this is, I know this is really, really stupid. I was like, I hate this, and I stopped playing. <laughs> I know, but we've, oh. it's a really stupid reason to stop playing a game. But um, the engine's not new. The engine's uh, the same. I'm a stupid engine. man. You know, it's never going to. Yeah, I know. It's, it's limited. It's what it can do. Yeah, whatever. but what they've done with him, you know, yeah, nice little tale. A bit of a different space, mm. uh, bit of a different pace for Batman in terms of video game mm. form as well. It's always been like Rocksteady's Batman, you know, a bit more action. This isn't, even though there's action things, you know, like quick time little things to do, yeah. it's not action orientated all the time. Mm. It's really interesting to see how like the, um, the Telltale games went from like the first Walking Dead game being like the most innovative, amazing thing that anyone's mm. ever seen and then like just a mere short couple of years later it it became the most overdone wrote you know yeah trite thing that's ever happened and it's it feels like it's really aged quite badly yeah that that format and uh yeah such a such a shame because like you say some of the writing and stuff in it in those games is really top notch i mean we never updated the um, engine diver and we just no this is the thing thing. so they had all that money probably the issue probably the issue was that they got so big and took on so many contracts and so many licenses yeah. Yeah. they kind of didn't probably didn't have time to actually the sort their shit out thing, right yeah. just like keep the same engine and just yeah. crank out what you can crank out well oh. but you say that but at least telltale cranked out fucking tens of Tons games of instead of yeah. like one every 10 years <laughs> I'm no, glad you enjoyed it, man. Yeah, it's got it's just one of those things where you can play, you know, after a long day. You know, just don't want yeah. you want you just don't want to think about it too much, so you just stick it on and you don't have to do too much with you know, with a pad in terms of control. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. There's a lot of games this year that have been like, kind of, do I want to play this? Oh, <laughs> can't be arsed. Like, just, I just want to move the stick every like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds perfect. But, yeah, great. Nice. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, oh, it's me. Um, I, I apologize for what's about to happen. Uh, my number three game that I played in 2022 is Marvel Snap. Uh, another late edition. I'm not going to go on about it too long because if you've been listening to recent episodes, I can't fucking shut up about this game. Um, I was playing it right before we started recording, and as soon as we finish recording, I'll probably play some more. Um, Marvel Snap is a CCG card battler from the uh, former creative director and public face of Hearthstone who left back in 2018 to go and uh, form his own company, got a bunch of money from Tencent or someone like that, uh, and managed to get the Marvel license and has made a card battler, free-to-play card battler CCG game for the phones with the Marvel franchise. And it's really fucking good. Um, It's really approachable, accessible, easy to get into with a huge amount of depth, um it's not greedy at all there are some things on the store which are outrageously expensive like i'm just going to boot it up now just so i can see i say boot it up it's still open on my phone fucking hell. <laughs> um at the moment you can spend 25.99 for a couple of card variants no so they're not new cards they're just alternate card uh, alternate artwork for two cards uh, for Gambit and Rogue and uh, Icon for Gambit and Rogue no one's going to buy that anyone who does is stupid um, but the only other stuff that you can spend actual money on is card variants you cannot outright buy cards for your decks you cannot buy your way to having the best decks it is surely down to luck and which cards you pull from the collection when you climb up the the collection rank um it's a it's a simple battler um you have three zones um and you play cards and at the end whoever has got most power at two or more of those zones is the winner uh and you have (laughs) this sounds really stupid you have cubes that you can like bet the number of cubes that you put into the pot uh, and if you win, then you claim all those cubes. And if you lose, then you lose those cubes. And that's how you go up and down the ladder on the the ranks hmm. uh, in the um, uh, in the competitive. Well, I said the competitive mode. There is only one mode. Um, there's a lot of like scope for building some really interesting decks. You've just got basic cards which don't do anything but have you know a, a cost and a power. Uh, you have cards that have abilities that will pop off when you pop them down, or they have abilities that are ongoing for as long as the card exists on the board, or you have cards that destroy other cards, or you have cards that buff other cards. Um, and so there's a there's such a huge scope for um, building decks of cards with, with really good synergy with each other. Um, it's incredibly well balanced, so there's not like one or two meta decks that destroy anything else there's like a good 
couple of dozen different combinations, at least com- uh, combinations of cards mm. uh, that would be considered meta decks. But then there's there's room for like experimentation within those as well to 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 increase your to benefit your particular play style. But then it's also it's not just a case of you playing the person opposite you. Each of the zones has like an ability. So like for example, at the moment there's a zone in there which like after turn four all of the cards they're all based on like places in the marvel universe so there's one which is like the home world of the symbiotes you know um mm. carnage and venom and whatnot yeah. yeah um after turn four all the cards there get merged into one card uh with with a cumulative power of all those cards or for instance you'll have like a, a zone in which like uh if you play a card on like the, the zone that's wakanda no cards in on either side on that zone can be destroyed because it's Wakanda. Um, or um, if you if if Limbo appears, then it goes from being a six card a six round game to being a seven round game. Or or a zone will like cause all on reveal effects to happen twice, or will double the uh, potency of ongoing effects. Or um, Sometimes it'll be like Zona's like after turn four, all cards here are destroyed or what whatnot. So you're not just playing the person opposite; you're you're trying to use the board to your advantage, or minimize the disadvantages that the board's throwing at you as well. Um, there's such a lot of nuance in there, but but it is so easy to pick up and start playing. Matches are over in a matter of minutes. Like you have a quite strict time scale and on how long you can sit and uh, you know ponder which cards to play um so it's only a few minutes before a match is over uh so you can sit there and play you know half a dozen matches and not a lot lot, um, not a lot of time or you can like what i do play a game while the kettle's boiling or, or whatever or if i'm watching the you know watching telly and an adverts come on whip my phone out play around a marvel snap and then by the time it's finished, the adverts are, adverts are done. Um, it's, I love it. I don't really go in for mobile games. I definitely don't go in for free-to-play mobile games. And I did, I've never clicked with, like, CCG games um, outside of ones that exist in video games like Gwent and stuff like that. Um, but this has really, really clicked with me. I'm fucking hooked on it. I know Adam's hooked on it as well. We've been messaging each other with with deck builds mm. and stuff like that i've got a i've got a private um chat going on on telegram with a bunch of people who are just talking about marvel snap and nothing else um Amazing. it's really fucking good really really good yeah. cannot get enough of it yeah, never thought i uh, get involved but i just do not want to get in. i just do not want to jump in with people like you they're going to destroy me you won't play against people like you won't play no, against people like me mean, unless and unless you've been playing the game for a long time and you've push, got yeah. really good cards. Yeah, that's, like, that's the thing. It's like the the matchmaking. It matches you against people who have the same um, collection level as you. So yeah. at the beginning, when you've only got a basic deck, you will only play against other people who have a basic deck. Yeah. And as you go up, and as you get more cards, and you start to put together more intricate decks then you start to play against other people who've got decks of a similar quality to yours. The matchmaking is incredibly fair, hmm. uh, I've got to say. Um, That's great. It's, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. But I, I, would, I wouldn't recommend you get it anyway because it will just eat your free time. That's it. That's it. It would, like, it's bad. 
I love it though. It was for you. Really? Love it. Developer, board game, or a card game? It must have been because. It, it no, so, like I said, it's, it's the um, it was the um, creative director of uh, Hearthstone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but it must have been playing various so, card games and stuff because it does sound very familiar to all the card games I've been playing and stuff. Sometimes you know, like deck builders mm-hmm. in physical form. Yeah, but it's I'm the sort of one that, that it, it it couldn't exist in a physical form. Because of the way the, the the synergy of the cards, um, the way they were like, you would need to have to be able, you need to have like a the ability to like write down numbers on cards and wipe them off and write them. Because like sometimes if you've got like the right combination of cards, the power well, of a particular card that you've played on the board can spiral out of control. You do do that in Magic though with like counters and stuff, yeah. but. Yeah, maybe like if you get past six or whatever, then it gets this a little tricky. It. It's just so yeah. immediate though in Marvel Snap. I'd imagine it. That's part of the part of the rush. It, it, right? it is. Like um, I've had matches where, like, um, uh, for example, I think I've got a screenshot somewhere on my phone of one of them where it just got it got absolutely out of control. I had like um, uh, there was a zone where um, on reveal effects happened twice. And then I played the card of uh, Wong from Doctor Strange, uh, who makes on-reveal effects on that area happen twice. So suddenly on-reveal effects on that area are happening four times. And then I played um, a character called um, uh, Rescue, who like buffs, adds plus two power to three random cards on the board. Hmm. And they did that four times. And then I played Odin, who who causes any on-reveal cards to pop off again. So that meant that Wong popped twice, which caused... Um, uh, so, so yeah, Odin popped, which caused Wong to pop twice, which caused Rescue to pop four times, which caused Odin to pop again. And then Wong popped the, uh, again four times, and then it just kept on spiraling out of control. And I had, like, several hundred points in one zone on the board. It was stupid. I, I mean... <laughs> Like I say, um, I have seen weird shit happen in in like magic games, and I'd imagine I'd yeah, I don't don't have stuff to, again yeah. uh, as well. Um, so I think like think things like you know the summoning effects happening multiple times and stuff. You you definitely do see mm-hmm. that in in CCGs like physical ones as well. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely taken a lot of cues from games like that, obviously. Like oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, so. exactly. Um, I don't know. This feels like it's it's uh, reached a wide, but probably because of the, the subject matter, because it's Marvel mm-hmm. characters. Uh, it's reached a wider audience than Magic or I think, um, Hearthstone ever did. I think, strangely for me, I, I'm the opposite. I, I think I'd prefer it. I think because I'm just so burnt out on Marvel. I'd be it's more not... willing to, I don't know, just like Hearthstone. I really enjoyed Hearthstone when it came out because it was just completely new, uh, pretty yeah. much. Um, you know, I get why they've obviously got the Marvel license because it's fucking massive. They do, <laughs> but it's also like it's not. Um, it's not like. Uh, I mean, they had a tie-in. Like so, rec- the last season pass, the last month was uh, Black Panther themed because there's a new Black Panther game uh, a film out sure but like this season is like silver surfer there's never been a silver surfer film and like the um the cards just running through some of them like 
just in the A's and B's, like there's so many like that are like fairly obscure Marvel characters like Angel, uh, Angela, uh, Baron Mordo, um, uh, Blue Marvel, Cloak, Cosmo, Crossbones, um, Crystal. Like it's it's like it's it's really deep into like the actual mm. comics lore of and none of the cards look like the, the the cinematic versions of them they're all done by all the artwork on the base cards and the variants are done by marvel comics artists uh it's very much uh reverent for the comics not the films mm-hmm. if you see what i mean um and so yeah i mean all the avengers are in there but there are there there's like hundreds of cards, so they're a drop in the bucket. Um, you know, uh, yeah. But I, uh, I I can't get enough of it, and I'm going to stop talking about it now because of boring tits off everyone. Um, Chazzy, hello. Your number three. My number three is the same. Oh, as where have Adam. I seen this before? This is it. This is the same as Adam's number three. It's Citizen Sleeper. So um, I don't want to trip over Adam from the futures, um, you know, what he's going to say, but hopefully I don't. He makes um, it sound so good as well. That's it. Yeah. So I don't know how you're going to live up to what he said. How, how, will I, yeah, how will I, you know, add to that? Um, but not, but without... How you follow or proceed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Citizen Sleeper is just this incredible... Um, mix of a text adventure and a rpg like tabletop rpg role-playing system um that just marries together with one of the most incredible pieces of writing um and storytelling um the way that it just creates through having time there's there's like clock timers everything's on a timer there's nothing's not on a timer. So, um, you know, every time you, I don't really want to go into too much of the story, but every time you finish a day, the timer, each timer clocks rounds to a different time and some are running faster than others. And some are running, you know, some are running slow, some are running fast, some are running incredibly fast. Um, and you've got to manage all these timers, but also you're exploring a massive, um, space station and finding out about all the different kind of areas of life in this incredible cyberpunk world that is just so evocative like the, the, the atmosphere in this is just like through audio cues and the writing it just there's so much emotion and atmosphere and stuff that makes you just draws you into every every single facet of of this game and this narrative and this like kind of crazy story like you know there's characters i intensely care about um that i just want to see do well or there's other characters that i absolutely despise just because of the way that the writing is you you do get to have sort of um uh choices over like very mass effect in that you get to pick like one of three options to push on uh, conversations and stuff there's a really good conversation system and um like the way you push the story around and how that just drives more and more of your kind of emotional state throughout the game is just phenomenal 
and it's and everything's done through text like everything is done through text and then clicking on these little areas and like right i've i've done this here okay right i'm going to click on the kitchens and then there's a whole side story about the guy who works in the local noodle shop and how he's like basically turns into your sort of mental support throughout the whole of whole of the game and you know you go to you because you you turn up on this um space station as a basically as, as a complete migrant out of nowhere and you've got to kind of find work and find somewhere to live and the struggles of that and how, how do you go about that and balancing that against your needs to eat and sleep and actually find out what's going on and, and mystery side of the game and like just everything about it it, it the whole, like if i had one word it would be atmosphere like the whole the whole thing is just steeped in this wonderful wonderful atmosphere and emotion and um i i, I adore this game more than anything I, i'm it, it's such a shame that there's two games that i i you know want to play more but um yeah every everything about this I, I just had a good like two or three weeks of just sitting there just soaking up all this lore all this uh all these conversations all these characters and their arcs and just getting deep into who they are and what they are and what they mean and how they feel and it's what i imagine people got out of um Oh, what was the what was the one with um what was the the, the adventure game that um, everyone loved that with the with the drunk guy the drunk policeman um i can't remember what it's called now uh you got you you got your sidekick who's very stiff and uh, asian sidekick can't remember the name of the game now it's doing my head in oh 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 um uh oh fuck uh the communist detective that's it point of adventure yeah come on nick you played it come on nick you've played it Oh, Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium. Ah. It's, it's Disco Elysium without the isometric overworld. It's it's that it's up there with that. But like I say, it is more of a um D and D or role like a tabletop role playing system, like with all these clocks and stuff and you think a story's gonna go somewhere and it doesn't and you think something's completely benign and it actually isn't and it just plays with you so much and oh yeah it's just it's just an incredible incredible game and well worth anyone's um anyone's time because i've just I, I fell in love with it from the moment i first started playing it and yeah um it's just um, it's such a shame that the, it came out in a year where there are two slightly better games um but, uh yeah I, I i adore this game and i just ask anyone to give it a go because it is just superb uh rant over <laughs> fair enough <laughs> um yes yeah, one that i definitely want to play uh I, it was sold to me when it was like imagine it as uh if uh, you were playing a blade runner game but you were roy batty yeah um being hunted down by um by oh my god i can't remember his name i was gonna say Fancy being hunted, hunted down by by blade runner um by harrison ford by harrison ford yeah yeah um yes that's just incredible yeah it's it's i'm actually absolutely gonna play it if i can clear something else that i'm playing off my docket over the christmas period then i will mm. jump on that one for sure no you should do that it's great mm. 
All right, let's let's round out this first part of uh, Game of the Year 2022. Uh, Nick. Meow. What what is your number three? <laughs> My number three game of the year again came out this year. Um, it's Stray, the lovely cat game that was game. unveiled at some point during one of the conferences during lockdown and. Since that moment, I just wanted to play the cat game forever. Um, <laughs> anyone who knows me will know that I like cats. Um, and this is a game where you play as a cat and there is even a meow button. Um, it's a very charming little button. game. Very charming little game. It's a um, th- third person, third cat, third, yeah, third feline, feline. Um platformer effectively uh with with some nice puzzle elements um it's kind of it it harks back to um games i don't know really um not so much i was gonna say similar to spyro but it's not really spyro um (laughs) do you know what i mean Hmm. um you're basically just you're a cat uh trying to get out of uh, this underground chamber in which you find yourself by um helping the the inhabitants of of this underground city uh and helping them find find a way out themselves as well because they're kind of trapped down uh under under the under the earth's um exterior mm. after a i'm guessing some kind of like um global catastrophe in which the earth finds itself wiped out for of, of humans um and yeah you base they've basically formed like their own religions and their own little followings and settlements and cults and things and uh you you just drop in one day as a cat cuz uh and you've you just go and help them find random bits and bobs and the story progresses from there um there's some lovely little puzzle elements uh, kind kind of similar ish to sort of the some of the three D Zeldas uh, that kind of gameplay where you're just running around talking to people doing little errands and chores and stuff um, and yeah it's just a just a generally charming little game um, yeah it's it's lovely if you like cats or have anyone who's interested in cats um, or what if you don't care for cats if you don't care for cats you'd still bloody like it because it's still a good okay. game. It's the gameplay is solid. I have um, nothing against cats. I'm just allergic. And uh, it's only one yeah. cat I like, the cat from Red Dwarf. Well, it's Garfield. interesting you bring Red Dwarf up because the it's fuck kind is of wrong with Garfield. <laughs> Andy just doesn't like lasagna that much. It's just uh, and he loves yeah, uh, Andy loves Mondays. Right. He loves Mondays more than anything in the yeah. world. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. You don't have to love cats to enjoy the game, obviously. It just helps you enjoy the game if you love cats. Um, it's still a solid game, like I say. Um, the the platforming is there and the puzzles are, are quite nice to solve. Um, so yeah, just a generally nice game. If you walk past uh, security cameras, um, they'll fo- they follow you as well, CCTV cameras. And if you meow at them, they nod at you. Just little mm-hmm. things like that. Mm. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I've got to say, despite the fact that I don't care for cats, I do really want to play this game at some point. Yeah, um, it's good. Like, like genuinely, yeah. it's not a very long game either. It's quite a short game. Um, very enjoyable. 
then yeah, my third best favourite game of the year. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, that concludes part one of our top games that we played in 2022. That was uh, games five through three. Uh, join us next episode and we'll do our biggest surprises, uh, honourable mentions, and then run down our top two games that we played this year. Uh, if you would like to let us know what the best games you played this year were, then you can drop us a tweet at Labs Gamer, uh, if Twitter still exists by the time this podcast goes out. Uh, gentlemen, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, I look forward to the next episode when we f- conclude this. Uh, yes. And... Uh, Catch you on the next episode. Ta-ra! Bye. Bye. See you later.